Amen. Man, I, I hope you, you dove in and connected and worshipped and what a beautiful song. We haven't done that one in a while. Man, just so, so good. Um, so I don't know if you noticed the shirt, um, but it's, yeah, it's here. So if you were with us last week as we started talking about putting on humility, uh, we talked about how my oldest son saw the red Hawaiian shirt, the Magnum PI shirt that he wanted to buy. And then literally the next day I was in a store and saw this shirt. And so I'm officially putting this on, uh, in honor of my oldest son, Garrett. And, um, yeah, maybe one day when he, uh, is old as me, I'll hand it down to him. This is all I'm leaving, uh, as an inheritance. So we're talking about this idea of humility and this idea of putting on humility. And and I I mentioned last week that there's just not a ton of like modern writing and research I was able to find about this topic, but truly one of the first great minds in early Christianity, St. Augustine said, he said, if I were to be asked, what's the the first importance, like the, the number one thing of highest importance in Christianity, he said, I would say this, number one, humility. Number two, humility. Number three, humility. That we would begin to put on not just beliefs about Jesus, not just the right answers about Jesus, not just information about Jesus, but the life of Jesus. Like the the model of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of humility. And so that's what we're studying as we're looking uh, at this text that we're going to be walking through for these couple weeks together. So please grab your Bible or tablet or whatever it is you use to follow along in the text. And uh, we're going to say the creed together from wherever you are. Uh, say it with confidence. Uh, this is part of how we stay connected together. Here we go. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Let's look again at first Peter chapter five, that God would change us, maybe change what we're wearing, right? That we would put on humility. First Peter chapter five. We looked at the second half of verse number five last week. We're going to look at that just to recap, but we're really going to focus on verse six, uh, verses six and seven this morning. Uh, the second half of verse five says, clothe yourselves. All of you with humility toward one another. And here's a scary warning for God opposes the proud. Like, I don't want to be on the other team. I want to be on God's team. Pick me. I don't want to be in opposition to God. He opposes the proud. Here's the beautiful promise, but gives grace to the humble. And we look this, this morning at verse number six that says, humble yourselves, therefore, Under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves. Again, he's telling us that what we're supposed to do is humble ourselves. He would not tell us to do that if he didn't then give us the freedom to do so. And so I would say what I said last week, it's it's saying this again in the text this week, and that is we actually have a choice. With so much that is outside of our control right now, we actually get to choose. Will I face today about me? Will I face today wearing pride? Will I face today pretending that the universe revolves around my wants and my wishes? Or will I get up today and choose to put on humility? 
We talked specifically last week about some people are struggling so bad with being told to put on a mask. And man, I want my rights and I want my freedoms. And and the fact is, some of us are more concerned about our rights than we are about being right with God. And if we would put on humility, it would make it so much easier to just put on a mask and and just to do what we're being asked to do. And, And here's this challenge, put on humility, that we would uh, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so humility, first and foremost, isn't actually about how I feel towards people, act towards people, or my posture towards them. Humility, first and foremost, is a spiritual issue. Humility is first before God. And then it's before the people who bear his image. That I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Because when I look at my hand and I look at his hand, one hand is mighty and one hand, not so much, right? It's this idea of like if I was arm wrestling with our nine-year-old, right? Like, bam, gotcha, I'm the man. And then if Dwayne the Rock Johnson walked in and was like, okay, my turn, Um, I'm going to pass, right? Uh, I don't, I don't have that. And that's the thing. When we see the strong arm of God, like the the mighty hand of God, we can't help but say, oh, that's stronger than me. Like that that helps us posture our hearts towards, wow, he's a bigger deal than me. Like he's God. And and as we look at our lives, are are we putting on humility? Are we clothing ourselves with humility? We can ask ourselves some questions to, to examine our wardrobe. We can go to the long uh, mirror in the, in the closet and say, okay, what am I wearing? What's the ensemble today? What's the outfit? Am I wearing pride today? And if we constantly are asking ourselves, I wonder what they think of me. I wonder if they're okay with me. I wonder if they're talking about me. If that's a constant question, then maybe we're not oriented around the mighty hand of God. We want people to orient around us. And that's this insecure form of pride. Do we find our value in winning, in the things that we accomplish, in getting ahead and seeing things go our way? Do, do we find our value in the stuff that we've gathered, always trying to feel more important and more significant? Here's a question to examine whether or not we're wearing pride. And this question hurts a little bit. Are we always trying to control the situation? Are we trying to control the outcome and make sure that things go just right? Because it's got to be right. Because if it's not right, then, oh my goodness, my universe can't exist. And maybe even if we're trying to control the bubble for our kids, like I have to make sure that they are safe and I have to protect them and I have to care for them and I have to do this, are we consumed with those thoughts? Do we always feel anxious about those things? Are we defensive when somebody points out a weakness in our life as though we don't have any weaknesses? <laughs> We're like, what do you mean? I've got it all together. Are we defensive? Are, are we, and man, this is a huge question. A sign of pride is that we think we are unforgivable. Like if there's a failure in our past or in our life that we're like, that is such a big deal God can't possibly forgive me for this. Like, there's just no way I can get past this. There's no way I'll ever be free from this shame. That's literally saying, 
My story is such a big deal, the cross of Jesus couldn't possibly deal with that. And it's actually this really broken, busted up, painful form of pride. Because the common denominator in all those questions is I. <laughs> the, the common theme in all of that is, are we at the center? And so another brilliant guy who's no longer living, who wrote on humility, is a guy named Andrew Murray. And here's how he defined humility. He said, humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. <laughs> that, that we're crawling off the throne because we're letting God have the throne that he deserves anyways. And this is what Murray said. Where God is all, self is nothing. Like he must increase, we must decrease. It's not about us, it's not about self it's orienting around the glory of God, the mighty hand of God. And, and then the, back to verse number 6, it says this, So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Part of humility is surrendering to, submitting to, and yielding to the perfect timing of God. And of all the areas that, that consistently I feel convicted of about pride in my life, this is one of the big ones. I don't like God's timing. It never matches mine. <laughs> like I've always got a vision of, of the timing of how I want God to move in my life. And we talked last week about a, a definition of humility that says, I want what God wants when he wants it. Week before last, uh, we, we had a little bit of a scare in our household. Uh, our youngest son got sick, and uh, we thought he had strep throat. We took him to the doctor. They said, yep, we think it's strep throat. And they tested him and said, no, it's not strep throat. We think he has COVID. He's got to go to Cook's Hospital and be tested. And y'all have to all quarantine, but don't worry. We're getting results in 24 hours. Well, we go and get him tested, and they said, well, it might be 48 hours. Well, at 24 hours, which is what they first told I realized that I do not trust God's timing. I wanted to know. We got stuff to do. Let's go. I'm quarantined, man. Let's go. And then that drug into 42 hours. And then, yeah, we still didn't find out. That, that drug into a whole nother day. And by the time we finally got the phone call that he was negative of COVID-19. Thank you, Lord. But by the time we got that phone call, I realized there is an infection in this household. There is a virus in this household. And it's not Bryson's. It's mine. I don't trust God's timing. I want it on my agenda. And that is an evidence of sinful pride. And when we submit to God and orient our life around him, and when we trust his timing, here's what the text says. It says that at the proper time, he, God, may exalt you. That God would exalt us. That when we humble ourselves before him, before his mighty hand, that mighty hand reaches down with all of its might and exalts us, lifts us up, cares for us. What an incredible thought. Romans chapter 15 verse 33 says, Before honor is humility. That, that the Christian life, in the words of Bob Goff, is, is the race to the back of the line. And that in that... We find our position in God. And here's the amazing thing. Last week, I told you that to clothe ourselves with humility meant to tie a knot. And it's, it's a word picture of how a servant would have tied a knot in a garment in front of them, kind of like an apron, to protect their clothes 
while they were serving. And, and I said last week that I believe Peter had in his mind this picture of, of Jesus tying a, a towel around his waist and, and kneeling down, the Son of God washing the disciples' feet in the upper room. But here's the thing about that, that word picture to put on. It's the same word picture that's used in Greek writings about a king putting on his fancy robe. And tying it around his neck. If you've watched the movie The Gladiator or any of those movies set in Bible times, you know that like the important fancy dudes had like the cape thing going on, right? Even sometimes people walking behind him carrying his cape like a bridal gown or something. And what that sounds to me like is Philippians chapter 2. That Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and tied a different knot around him. He's bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. He has had two different kinds of knots. That he humbled himself and tied the knot of a servant, and now God has exalted him. And that's the same thing he's offering to all of his children. If we'll follow in the lifestyle of Jesus, not the belief system of Jesus, but the life of Jesus, and humble ourselves before God and before others, he will lift us up. And so humility is not this, I'm worthless and I should just never do anything. The, the, the world's definition of humility is broken and busted and negative. And God's view of humility is, this is how I want to make much of your life. Let me make much of myself in you. Allow me to be the star of the story as the king of heaven. And now we come to verse number seven. And I want you to see that there's no break here. It's a continued thought and and really part of the same sentence. There's not really sentences in the original text, but in the sentence, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's so important to note that that this is really, it should have been one verse, right? Like if if you're new to this deal, there weren't actually uh, verse numbers when the Bible was originally written. Uh, People came and added that later so that it was easy to find stuff and, and to look stuff up. That's not how it was originally written. And this is a pretty lousy verse placement, in my opinion, because it's all one continued thought. That it's this idea of humbling ourselves by casting our anxieties on him. That it's, it's all connected in this same one single thought. That the way I humble myself is by letting God carry the things that I'm anxious about. And what I believe this text is revealing is that being prideful leads to anxiety. And here, I'm not using the term anxiety in a clinical sense about an issue of wiring in the brain. I'm just talking about what we used to call being a worry ward. That I'm always afraid the worst is going to happen in every situation. That's actually, I believe, according to this text, pride. We know the outcome. Well, aren't we a big deal? Or we think we can control it. Pride is this, this dangerous cancer that... That will lead to 
anxiety, that, that anxiety that says, I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, and I gotta find the right spouse by this age, and I gotta get the right degree, and then I gotta have the right marriage, and the right wedding, and buy the right house, and get the right job, and have the right career, and buy the right car, and have the right number of kids with the right pets, and the right, and I gotta, and I gotta, and I gotta, and I gotta, and I really think God hears us freaking out about that and goes, really? Well, if you've got all that, I guess I can take the day off. <laughs> like, Good to know. I didn't know that you had all of this on you. I don't have to be God because clearly you gotta. And, and when the I gotta's are overwhelming us, it's almost always I gotta right now. <laughs> like, I don't trust God's timing in this. I got to fix this now. And I know that in my life, when I look at patterns of anxiety, when I'm all worked up, it's because I think I'm a bigger deal in controlling the outcome than I actually am. I don't have to do this and I don't got this because I have a God who rules and reigns and does all things well. And really, another way that we could define humility is this. God is God and I'm not. God is God and I'm not. And here's the freeing part. Here's the the part that sets us free from anxiety. If God is God, then I don't have to pretend to be. Like if, if God has my kids under his care, I don't have to freak out about protecting them from every sniffle that comes their way. Like if, if God cares for my family, then he'll provide for our income. If God cares for our dwelling, then I don't have to find the perfect house. I'm trusting God. When he is God and I'm not, it sets me free from having to pretend to be him. And because God is God, and because he's got this, he deserves to be honored. He deserves to be worshipped. He deserves to be trusted. He deserves to be feared. He deserves to be loved as God. And, And all of that summed up in one word, glory. Because he's God, what, what our lives are supposed to do, our privilege and our responsibility is to exist for his glory. To pursue glorifying him, to make much of him and to cause people to glorify him and make much of him. But again and again, our temptation is to glorify self. What we want and when we want it. And what you and I need, I think, again and again, if we have any hope of winning the battle of humbling ourselves, is to be confronted with the reality that God deserves glory. And here's why I think that's a big deal. The word glory is actually defined as weight. Heavy. Literally, the term glory is what anxiety sometimes feels like. Because here's the deal. I believe that shoulders formed from dust cannot bear the weight of glory. Only the shoulders that were never formed by man can bear the weight of true glory. And when I try to take on the responsibility of pretending to be some little God, it crushes me because I'm not made to bear glory. In my brokenness, I sure do want glory, but when I get little glimpses of it, It literally crushes me. I can't handle that weight. Only the one who is worthy can bear the weight of glory. And that helps us 
with our, our anxiety because God isn't just saying, I can do this. He's saying, the way you humble yourself is by letting me carry that for you. He can bear the weight. We cast our anxieties on him. Like we are walking in the door and throwing the worst stuff we're carrying on the coat rack of God Almighty. I mean, he's got the mighty hand, right? He can hold all of our coats. Like, let's just load that sucker up. Like we're casting all of our anxieties on him. And I love this three little uh, three-letter word in the middle of this text, the beginning of this text, that I've never noticed before. Like, I've known this verse for years and years and years, and I've just never noticed before, or at least it's never ministered to me before, the word all. Like, even those little anxieties that you're just kind of anxious about. Or the anxieties that keep coming up again and again and again. Cast all your anxieties on Him. And maybe you're like, but I'm being a nag. Like I just cast an anxiety on him. And he's like, no, keep it coming. Cast all your anxieties on him. Whatever you're carrying, whatever weight you have, cast it all on him. The the pain of wounds from the past, cast it on him. The regrets from the past, the things you think uh, that you'll never get past and, and, and you'll never get over and you're so ashamed of, cast that on him. Cast on him the memories of the past and then cast on him the pressures of the present, the worries of the present, the fears of the present, the I don't knows of today. And then cast on him all the fears of the future. All of them. Even if you just cast it on him 10 seconds ago, and if you're like me, you cast it on him and then take it right back. And I'm going to fret about this some more and try to fix it and control it. And Just cast all. All. Cast all your anxieties on him. And here's why. Oh my goodness. What an incredible way for us to end our time in the text this morning. Here's why. Because he cares for you. Listen, we can just say, God, I'm not God and I need you to be God. And here, you got to carry this. And you know what? He wants to carry it for you. (laughs) Like, he loves you so much that he wants to carry your pain, your grief, your fear. Cast all your anxieties on him. And here's the thing. That mighty hand isn't just the hand that humbles us. It's the mighty hand that cares for us. When I grew up, there was a song they used to sing in the church that said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Because he cares for me like that, why would I keep holding on to this stuff? I'm not that big a deal. I can't fix all this. I can't control all this. Why would I hold on to it when I'm not God? He cares for me so much better then I care for me. So I'm going to cast this on him. I believe, listen, let's get real for a second. Like some of you who are watching this have no idea if you're going to have your job this week. 
I'm, I'm getting texts and phone calls every week of somebody else who's worried about getting sick or worried about if they're being furloughed or whether they're going to be altogether losing their jobs. And, man, our families at the school are like, man, finances are so tough. And listen, this is a difficult and, and, a, and a scary time. And I just want you to hear this morning. God is more concerned about your welfare than you are. He cares for you more than you care for yourself. He's that good. So let Him carry your anxiety. Don't hold on to that. Be free. You have a mighty God who wants to carry that. Trust Him. You're not that big a deal. You can't control the outcome of the economy. You can't control the outcome of COVID-19. You can't control the outcome of when school's going to start and what's it going to look like and what about sports and what about and what about and what about. We don't know what about because we're not that big a deal. And so if we will humble ourselves before the one who is the big deal, we'll find ourselves free from those anxieties. The same mighty hand that humbles us is the mighty hand that cares for us. I read this awesome story, a story that was written about 125 years ago by a famous pastor named Dr. Joseph Parker. And this was a whole different world and a whole different time. This is back during the time of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, these preachers who like could just say the most simple thing, but they said it in such an awesome and eloquent way that you're like, whoa. And apparently he's one of those guys. He was a storyteller. And he, he tells this really dramatic story about this little pocket watch. This little pocket watch was just so offended that it was so small. It felt like it deserved to be bigger. And this little pocket watch spent it, almost its whole life hidden in a lady's purse. And every time that lady would travel by Big Ben... I didn't tell you, Dr. Joseph Parker, he's, he's British. So, like, the idea of Big Ben resonated with his people. He said a little pocket watch would travel by Big Ben in a purse and say, I deserve to be up there. And he said, now imagine one day that that little pocket watch, a tiny string comes down and lifts it up the mighty tower of Big Ben. And it finally gets up there and says, this is where I deserve to be. Just for someone to walk by and say, I can't even see you up there. And this is how he said it in his incredibly eloquent way. He said, its elevation has become its annihilation. In the demand to exalt itself, it lost its purpose and its identity. And when we try to orient the kingdom of life around ourselves, our wants, and our timing, we lose our purpose. We miss our role. We aren't Big Ben. We're just not that big a deal. And that's not supposed to beat us up. That's supposed to heal us. That frees us. We don't have to pretend to be the thing that everyone looks to to tell the time. No. We're just called to submit, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The living God. I'm going to ask the band to make their way back up as as we're nearing an end here. As they're coming back, I want to challenge you with a couple things. The the first step to humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is to submit to him by saying, I'm not perfect and I need a relationship with you. 
If you don't know for sure that you've entered into a relationship with God through saving faith in Jesus Christ, would you please click the link that says, Can We Talk? We'd love to engage in a conversation about how you can know that you know that you have a relationship with this mighty God. And for those who would say, I do believe I have that relationship with God, but man, I am being wrecked by anxiety right now. The link underneath Can We Talk says um, uh, it's a reading plan. It says that it's a reading plan for you version, the, the Bible app that many of us have. This reading plan is, is seven thoughts from the scriptures about this idea of anxiety. What I want to encourage you is for the next week together, let's read not what the, the culture has to say about anxiety, certainly not what the press conferences have to say about anxiety. Let's listen to the mighty hand of God. Let him care for us. Let him guide us. Turn down the volume of a scared culture and turn up the volume of a confident God. Let's do this reading plan together over these next couple of days. Let's, let's show God that we need him, not ourselves. With that heart, I want to pray for us and then we'll worship together again. God, we need you. We need you because we aren't you. God, instead of seeking to exalt ourselves, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand so that we can find our purpose, our meaning, and the freedom from anxiety. Thank you that we don't have to pretend to be you. God, we, we submit to that through the declaration that you're the one we need. In Jesus' name.